Well, this morning I've come out to beautiful Lake Spivey here, not too far from the church, so that I can talk with you about something called the ripple effect. Now, the ripple effect is a, a term you might not be familiar with, but I'm sure it's something that you've seen in action. And it's certainly something that I've seen in action because I am the youngest of three boys in my family. And so whenever my family came somewhere like this, somewhere idyllic and beautiful and peaceful, me being the youngest, one of the things I would do is I would go and find the biggest rock I could, and then guess what I would do with it? I would go and I would throw it in the water, number one, so I could see a big splash because I always wanted attention from other people, but number two, so that I could see the ripple effect in action. So I could see the rock make an impact in the water and then watch the rings go out in an ever-expanding way. And the reason I want to talk with you about the ripple effect this morning is because I think the ripple effect is a great illustration of how the Holy Spirit is at work in the book of Acts, the book we've been studying these last number of weeks. I think the ripple effect helps explain how the Holy Spirit has worked in the world and the ripple effect helps explain how the Holy Spirit is still at work and wants to be at work in our lives today. And as we begin to understand how the Holy Spirit works and who the Holy Spirit is, then you and I and we as a church can begin living with more of the Holy Spirit's presence and power in our lives. And so if you, you come out to somewhere like this, I'm here at sunrise. It's very beautiful and the water is still. It's, it's like glass if you look at it. And it's not until an outside object comes down and, and touches the water and makes an impact that the ripple effect begins. And this is really how it is in our lives as well. I mean, without the Holy Spirit at work, our lives are, are, are kind of still, maybe you'd say, stagnant. I mean, they might be full of drama or full of activity or full of other things. But when the Holy Spirit impacts our lives and touches our hearts, that's when things begin to change. And we see this really throughout the book of Acts. I mean, if you've been following us, you've seen how when the Holy Spirit comes upon people and groups of people, things begin to change. There's an impact that begins expanding outward. I mean, if you look at Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, think about how the church was gathered there in the upper room and then the Holy Spirit came. And immediately things began to change all around the people. Or, we, we studied already Saul in Acts chapter 9, and how when he met Jesus and the Holy Spirit came into his life, he moved from being an enemy of God to a friend of God. He moved from being someone who wanted to destroy the church to build up the church. His life began to change, and he was part of the movement of the Spirit, moving the church ever outwardly from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. And as we're going to see as we keep moving through the book of Acts, the church keeps expanding even unto the ends of the earth. Last week we, we talked about a jailer whose life was impacted by the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 17 we come across an interesting scene. I encourage you to read that chapter this week where, where people's lives have been touched by the Holy Spirit and they're being transformed from the inside out. And so they start selling their magic books or they start throwing them away. They start burning them, these books that are worth a lot of money because the Spirit is changing them. The Spirit is converting them. And here's the thing for you and for me. The Holy Spirit wants to work in the same way in our lives. 
The Holy Spirit wants to transform us from the inside out. And when you and I place our faith and trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and makes a home. And we're forgiven of our sins. Relationships begin to be restored. Instead of living with, with hate and anger, the fruit of the Spirit begin to develop in us. Fruit like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives and begins to transform us. And if you've never experienced that transformation, I'd love for you to reach out. I'd love to talk with you more about how to experience that. But my guess is, because this is Memorial Day weekend and you're watching worship, my guess is many of you have had an encounter an initial encounter with the Holy Spirit. And your life has begun to be transformed. But, but sadly, this is where a lot of Christians kind of stop. This is a lot of times where we think things kind of end. We think the Holy Spirit wants to transform us and in our Western minds, in our Western culture, we think, okay, faith is good for us as individuals, but it should kind of remain private. And so the Holy Spirit makes an impact with our lives and then it just kind of ends there. But this morning, what I want you to see and what I want you to know is that there is more. The Holy Spirit doesn't only want to transform your life. The Holy Spirit wants to ripple out from your life and impact the lives of others and the world as well. And Suzanne Gilson, one of our longtime members at Harvest Point, she shared with me a story recently that helps illustrate this. And it's a story about a man named Edward Kimball. And Edward Kimball, he was a Sunday school teacher and every chance he got, he shared Jesus with his Sunday school class. And one day, he felt the Spirit wanting him to talk to one 17-year-old boy in particular. So he went to the shoe shop where the boy worked and shared the good news with him. And the boy, he actually received the message and he came to faith that day. And this boy, while well, he was a young man, his name was Dwight Lyman Moody. And now D.L. Moody became a pastor. Some of you might have heard of him, and at one of his services, a young man named Frederick Meyer listened and heard a message that transformed his life. He went on to lead a person named Wilbur Chapman to faith in Jesus Christ, and, and Chapman became a great evangelist. And Chapman, at one point, hired an ex-pro baseball player to help him named Billy Sunday. And, and through their ministry together, Billy actually went on to have a great ministry of his own. And one day, Billy Sunday went to Charlotte and spoke. And, and through his words about Jesus Christ and God and the power of the Holy Spirit, he inspired a group of Christian businessmen. And so these Christian businessmen, they said, you know what, hey, we want to have a crusade. We want to share Jesus with the people around us in our sphere of influence. So they hired an evangelist named Mordecai Ham to come to town and give a crusade. And on the last night of the crusade, a tall, blonde-haired young man came forward to receive Christ. And that young man's name was Billy Graham. This is how the Spirit works. And now your friends might not become great evangelists like a lot of people in this trajectory the ripple effect we see going from Edward Kimball's life. But, but that's how the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life, reaching friends 
and family members. And if you look in the book of Acts and even in the Gospels, I mean, you see how this works. Think about Jesus. Jesus started with just 12 people. And then by the time we're about halfway through Acts, now there are thousands of Christians as the work of the Holy Spirit keeps going. And throughout Acts, what we find is that the, as the Holy Spirit keeps impacting people's lives and touching their lives, we find out that there is more. We find out that the Holy Spirit still wants to do more than just transform these people's lives. The Holy Spirit, as people's lives are transformed, also wants to transform communities, cultures, societies, and really the entire world. And in Acts chapter 17, there's a great moment where, where we, we see the effects of the Spirit going out, many people coming to faith, and in the midst of some chaos and rioting like we see throughout the book of Acts, one of the accusations made about the early church is that people are going around saying, look, these are the people who are turning the world upside down. That was an accusation against the early Christians. These are the people who are turning the world upside down. And here's the thing, that's what the Spirit wants to do as well. Not just turn our lives upside down, not just transform the lives of our friends and family members. The Holy Spirit wants to transform and redeem everything. And in Acts chapter 19, we, we come across a great illustration of how this is happening all over places like Asia. And, and we see things being transformed, particularly in a city called Ephesus. And Paul had spent many years in Ephesus doing ministry. And one day he was about to leave when, when some crazy stuff broke out. And before I read the story to you, I mean, just to give you a little background in Ephesus, there was, there was a huge temple, four times the size of the Parthenon. And in this huge temple, the goddess Artemis was worshipped. There was a big bank in the temple. People from all over the world would come to this tourist attraction of types. And the people worshipped this goddess, and so uh, there, people would make little silver idols and trinkets and replicas of the temple. If you've ever been to New York, you know, people are hawking all the little statues of liberty. It was kind of like that. People were selling all sorts of stuff here in the center of power and the center of culture. And in the midst of all of this going on, right before Paul begins to leave the city, in Acts chapter 19, verse 24, we read this, that one day a silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, he, he brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. And one day he called them together and he said to them, along with the workers in related trades, you know, my friends, we receive a good income from this business. And you hear and you see how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are actually no gods at all. There is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited, and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. So he's, he's gathered the people and he said, look, you know what, the world's being turned upside down. Things are starting to change in our society. And I don't know if you can guess what happens next. A preacher once told me that when the Holy Spirit shows up in a community, there's either revival or there's rioting. And here we see the rioting begin. When the people heard 
this, when they heard what Demetrius was saying, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and all of them rushed into the theater together. And Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples wouldn't let him. And even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theater. And the assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people didn't even know why they were there. And the Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander to the front, and they shouted instructions to him. And he motioned for silence in order to make a defense before the people. But when they realized he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for about two hours, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And the city clerk quieted the crowd and said, Fellow Ephesians, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image which fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to calm down and not do anything rash. And slowly, the crowd dispersed and things began to calm down a little bit. But the reality on the ground remained the same. The Holy Spirit and the years of Paul's ministry there had been transforming individuals' lives. And then the Spirit rippled out into the lives of other people. And soon the Spirit began changing their society. And if you look in this story at, at, at the shifts that are happening, at the shifts that the Holy Spirit is bringing about, I mean, we see three big things in their society being changed. The first is, is economics. I mean, for a long time, the city and people in it made a lot of money selling idols and off of false gods and goddesses. And as Christians' lives are changed and they're no longer buying that kind of stuff and participating in the temple and they're, they're, they're getting rid of, of magic books like we see in Acts 17, I mean, things in their economy begin to shift. But then beyond that, we also see things in their culture begin to shift. Because one of the things the Christians do is they, they, they stop going to the temple. And like I said earlier, I mean, this was a huge tourist attraction. Uh, there was banking and there was a center of culture. But as the Christians begin to disengage and pull away, people feel like their culture is being threatened. And then we see the, the third big thing shifting is, is the religion. The Christians are not worshiping these false gods. I mean, if you notice what Demetrius said, he said, the Christians are convincing people that there was only one true God, and the Christians believed that this God deserved their allegiance. And so they were giving their allegiance and their devotion to the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God who raised Jesus from the dead, the God who had sent the Holy Spirit into their lives and their community. And if you think about these three things, I mean, economics, culture, and religion, I mean, these are at the heart of any society. And when things begin to change, what you'll discover, if, if you haven't ever led much through change, is most people don't actually like change, even though they say they do. And so we see the riots here. But even in the riots, the ripple effect continues. The Holy Spirit continues to be at work, changing society and changing the world. And the ripple effect continued well beyond this moment. 
if you think about Christians in the Roman Empire, their culture was one in which children were oftentimes abandoned in the wilderness because they were unwanted. Children were devalued, but as Christians had their lives transformed, they began lifting up children and lifting up other vulnerable people in the population and caring for them. They began establishing hospitals and caring for the sick and for the needy. And then beyond the Roman Empire, if we think about England and America during the First Great Awakening, Christians, as their lives were transformed, began to challenge some of the practices that were core to the society at the time, practices like slavery. And if you think about great Christian men like William Wilberforce and John Wesley, in England they fought in Parliament against slavery until it was finally abolished. And on this side of things, Christian women like Harriet Tubman, Christian men like Frederick Douglass also fought against this evil institution until finally it was eradicated. But here's the thing, these aren't just stories for history. The Holy Spirit hasn't just worked to transform societies in history. The Holy Spirit also wants to transform our society here and now. And the Holy Spirit wants to use people like you and like me and wants to use our church to push back the darkness, to fight against evil, to seek to rid the injustices of our world. The Holy Spirit wants to use us to be transforming agents in our culture as well. And I mean, you don't have to look far to find challenges and darkness and things that need to be changed. I mean, if you think about it, in our world today, we have more than enough food, and yet millions of people are undernourished all over the world. Still today, 10% of the world lives in extreme poverty. We still have challenges with racism and race. And while idols, like we see them worshiping in Ephesus, might seem like a thing of the past, I think you and I would agree that we still have plenty of idols today. Idols like money, politics, comfort, convenience, individualism. The Holy Spirit still has work to do and wants to work in our lives and in our society. But I think the reason that a lot of us just kind of let the Holy Spirit stop with us and one of the reasons why the Holy Spirit doesn't continue moving beyond us is because if you're like me, a lot of times you just get overwhelmed. There seems like so many issues and so many challenges and so we just kind of stop and we do nothing. But this morning, I felt like the simple message the Holy Spirit wanted me to relay to you is that there is more. There is more. There is more that the Holy Spirit wants to do in you, transforming you. And there is more that the Holy Spirit wants to do through you. To impact the lives of others and to impact our wider culture. And so this morning, I want to leave you with two questions to think about and to reflect on this holiday weekend. Maybe you'll have some extra time tomorrow to think through these and pray through these. And the first question is this, who is 
your one. Who is one person in your life that you can be a witness to by the power of the Holy Spirit? Who's one person in your immediate sphere of influence that the Holy Spirit might want to use you to impact? Who is your one? And the second question is what is your one? What is one injustice? What is one place of darkness? What is one evil thing in our world or in our culture that touches your heart and that you feel like needs transformation? Who is your one? What is your one? And once you answer those two questions, I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to give you eyes to see the next steps and how to take them. So let's ask the Spirit to do that this morning. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We thank you for the good gifts that you've given us in our lives. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for reconciliation. We thank you for transformation. But Spirit, we know there is more. We know that you want to give us more of yourself. And so we ask that you would fill us now. We ask that you would fill us to overflowing so that we might share your power and your presence with our friends, with our family members, and with our sphere of influence. And we ask that you would fill us so that we might overflow into our culture and we might push back against the darkness as well. Spirit, give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to feel. And then put our hands into action. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.